Starting out in fitness over five years ago, something that became very apparent very fast was the mental effects of nutrition nonsense on those most vulnerable. I've worked with clients who've battled with nutrition for decades and well over two thirds of their lives. In my eyes, nutrition should be simple. It should be enjoyable and should give you confidence to make good nutrition-based decisions. Kerry Major from the Dietitian Kitchen is a freelance sport dietitian as well as a daytime NHS dietitian working unbelievably hard to break down nutrition myths and help our society in both sports performance and everyday life to achieve a happy healthy relationship with food i'm lucy the founder of coach lucy a community which focuses on health for life and gives it to you in the time it takes to make a cuppa and drink it welcome to a cuppa with a coach i would always say if it works things like weight watchers and slimming world i always think if it works for you then it's fine but i think for the large majority of people the thing that gets me with like slimming world is their view on sins no food should be like viewed obviously like that and then i think they call sometimes like fruit sins and I'm like I know there's people out there that need to lose weight and that's so fine but I also think that just losing weight shouldn't be like your only goal like it just should be it's about so much more than that that I just sometimes think like that's all they're looking for it's the number on the scales and you know if you're losing weight every week and I am by no means a transformation coach I am not an eight-week personal trainer that will say to you that I'll be able to get you from this shape to this shape or from this size to this size or losing a certain amount of weight. I believe that exercise has much more of a benefit than just weight loss in general. Therefore, I do not rely solely on the transformations of my clients aesthetically. Places like that that, yeah, might have the amazing transformations, but at the detriment of what else? Do you know, and that's where I think if you're able, like you said, to do stuff of getting people to just eat better move more that's the a lot that's where a lot of people just don't know what yeah I mean I know maybe I shouldn't say this it's not rocket science like and I think just people need support to do that because they just there's so much nutrition noise out there that people just don't know what to believe and I think it's that that's sometimes one of the biggest problems. Having one of the most important things in your life such as movement being taken away from you for over 50% of a year is a huge impact to your life. I know it should be like some sort of privilege, I guess, if people's only worries during all this was putting on a bit of weight. But I think for a lot of people, it will be really like stressful for them when they've not been able to like move just as well and stuff that I just, I think the number of stuff that you see on social media just now, people trying to sell like social media, I think it's got a lot to blame for it as well. But I think there's this like, I don't know, pressure on people that they always need to think that they need to look good. Like, I just, I don't know, like that's not why we're put on the earth. <laughs> like I just if it if it is then we've got such a crappy existence if that's the the main thing that we need to worry about it's just it's sad as a personal trainer I myself went to college and university to study so my qualifications have taken me a lot longer than what it generally would for a personal trainer that was to go out and do a kind of intense course to become a personal trainer, to be able to qualify and coach other instructors. It's kind of like an intense course of driving lessons. And I know that online it can be super tempting when you see nutrition courses and personal training courses for like £500, for £50, for super cheap. But ultimately, what are you really going to be able to learn from that? And does that actually give you the qualifications to be able to give this advice to someone else? It's mental when you can see why it's appealing you know you can like I a part of me feels do you know I can I can understand 
I, you know, if that was what was getting advertised to me, like it's so easy to just be like, Meh, well, I, I kind of get it. But I, it just, I think when it comes down to like people's health, often it comes down to like the idea of nutrition is just for the majority of people is just weight loss. And I think people just don't realize it's not, if weight loss again is your goal, it's not just about that. There's a whole other thing around like relationships with food and exercise. And, you know, it's just, the nutrition is literally like the basis of your how well you stay so I just think if you're going to play havoc with that and you're going to get the wrong information I'm just like it just makes me really sad <laughs> makes our job bloody hard as well <laughs> what is a dietitian a dietitian is someone and that works in nutrition that their title is protected by law so we work in a way that we are allowed to for example give nutrition advice with regards to health but we're also allowed to give specialist advice with regards to people who have particular health conditions so when I say that we are governed by law it means that it's a protected title so we are only allowed to call ourselves a dietitian if we have got the appropriate qualifications for it in the UK anyway we are registered with the health and Health and Care Professions Council, which means that our name has to be on a, a register and we are kind of governed by this body. With regards to a nutritionist, unfortunately, a nutritionist isn't a protected title yet, but hopefully it will be at some point, which means that anyone can call themselves a nutritionist, even if they have done little to no study in it, which is the scary thing. For someone who does call themselves a nutritionist, if you're looking for someone who is appropriately qualified, it would be important to look for someone who has their, their name on a voluntary register called the Association for Nutrition. And if their name is on there, it helps to indicate that they have done appropriate qualifications in order to give you advice. Now, nutritionists are allowed to give people advice with regards to food and kind of more about general healthy eating but they are not allowed to give nutrition advice based on specific diets in relation to like specific health conditions so that I would say depending on what different courses and stuff nutritionists have done there'll be certain aspects that I guess that they could give you information on with regards to different healthy eating but and maybe for example different things on how to improve health you know with regards to different nutrients and things in your diet but on the whole they just aren't allowed to give advice on special diet related to kind of like specific health conditions they're not allowed to give you dietary treatment if that makes sense with regards to like specific conditions um, it's only dietitians that are able to to do that um, and that's how we're allowed to work for example in a kind of clinical acute setting in the hospital and things like that as well. Can anyone use or have a dietitian? Do they need to have a specific illness? Do they need to be a high performance athlete to be able to use someone like Kerry in a day-to-day -day basis? Well I think for anyone to see a dietitian or registered nutritionist there can be a need for anyone you know to see them and it's not just for people that are considered needing advice for their health I guess but I would say probably through the NHS the majority of time that we would get a referral for someone is because they're going to their for example if you work in community they're going to their GP with a health related problem which means um, which is causing the GP to then refer on to a dietitian for for them to get nutrition related advice to improve a health condition if that makes sense probably similar in a hospital where we get referrals through with regards to if someone for example isn't able to eat do we have to step in and maybe give them forms of artificial nutrition which might be through tubes or is it just that they are coming in quite malnourished do they need you know as a background perhaps to a 
health condition and we need to try and help them get built up for that or it could be to do for example with inflammatory bowel disease do they need specific advice with regards to that um so yeah i think that's the type of people again that you would maybe more see in the kind of hospital setting or maybe with, through the NHS it's more related to a health condition but there's loads of freelance dietitians that work out there that if you feel that you need a really specific or you wanted just more support you know with regards to nutrition and things as well that dietitians are, are around as well that don't work in the health service that would be able to offer you offer you advice as well and I definitely don't think it should just be at the like the end of each scales or just for athletes or anything like that there's definitely like I mentioned to you before there's so much nutrition noise out there that sometimes to actually get the right information or if you've if you're just a wee bit confused or you're overwhelmed with the amount of information that's out there and you want to know how to try and eat better sometimes booking in with a dietitian or a registered nutritionist can be a really good a good place to start. I come from a food first approach in terms of I like to try and get my protein from food first. If I needed it from elsewhere, then yes, I would look at a way of incorporating that. And if we can't get it from food, then obviously we have to look elsewhere too. Pretty much, I would say the large majority of people are able to eat over and above their protein requirements every day without having to supplement. That is because protein we don't just get from example the most typical sources that people know like your meat and dairy products which tend to be the richest sources. You also get small amounts and things like bread, pasta, you know different things like that that actually over the course of the full day you actually are in you end up amounting up to quite a, a large amount of protein if you if you eat kind of regularly balanced meals throughout the day as well. Obviously, if you're someone who exercises, yes, your protein requirements do go up a little bit, but there's very rarely that I would say to someone that they would need to take a protein supplement. And often the only time that I recommend people to take them is either through a convenience purpose or if they struggle to meet higher protein requirements through a food first approach, you're always going to be able to reap the benefits from protein by taking it from a food first approach and yeah there's there's use for protein shakes but I think you just have to think you know is there a reason I'm not able to get it through my food first rather than than taking it as a supplement so often the couple of examples that I would tend to give is perhaps if if you struggle to maybe get the so there's a kind of roughly zero to two hour window post-workout that we would suggest that it's quite good to try and get some form of protein in after a workout it doesn't mean that I think you often see people maybe at the gym, like like you said, maybe taking a protein shake when they're actually working out. It doesn't need to be like that. It's just thinking about, okay, zero to two hours after your workout, you want to try and think about getting some sort of protein in. If you struggle to maybe get that through food, whether it's just a convenience purpose, you're not going to be home for a while, you've not packed a meal or a snack or something in order to get that in, then fair enough, a protein shake might be an appropriate choice for you. It could also be, like I said, if someone maybe struggles to meet their higher protein needs through their diet, it might be someone who's vegetarian or vegan, who maybe doesn't take in a lot of meat and dairy products, which are the richest sources. It could be an option for them. Again, I would encourage them to think, right, you can get good protein sources through plant-based options. Um, and there's a lot of evidence coming out just now that a lot of plant a lot of athletes who are following a plant-based diet can get enough protein. It's just that you probably have to be a wee bit more mindful of where your protein sources come from. So again, it's thinking back to how can you improve your diet first and then use your protein supplements over and above if you're still struggling. 
Believe it or not, you can actually overeat in protein as well. And this can also impact your weight gain too, instead of weight loss, if that is something that you're looking to achieve. Pretty much the majority of their, their food intake is just going to be protein. And you need to maybe think at the expense of what other nutrients then, you know, if that's all you're, you're focusing on. And that's the, the worrying you know, thing as much as protein, getting a good volume or amount in if you're someone that is, you know, really active, then yes, of course, it's important. But there's also, there's no point in taking more than you need, because it's not, you'll either use it for energy, especially if you're maybe overeating on the number of calories and things that you're taking. But it's also just, you need to then think about if you're trying to get so much protein in each of your meals and snacks, what are you actually reducing, you know, because of that? Is it that you're reducing the, the amount of fruit and veg that you're trying to take? Are you reducing the amount of carbohydrates, which is just as important for making sure that you're well fueled for whatever exercise you're doing? So yeah, horrendous amounts of, of protein sometimes are recommended that I'm always like, oh, <laughs> why? I've had clients before come from other personal trainers and when I've given them a certain goal in terms of their protein goal, which for some has been under 100 grams, they don't understand because they've had a personal trainer or a coach that has asked them to eat hundreds of grams of protein. No, and I think there's this kind of like suggestion as well that there's like a, or the evidence kind of shows that after you have had a certain amount of protein, if you, if you keep, if you, if you overeat on it, it's actually, you're not going to get really any additional benefit. Like I said, it will get used for energy in some way rather than actually getting used because there's only a capacity that your muscles are going to need depending on the amount of exercises that you've done so you know once your body has used what it, it needs to recover from that post-workout period you're not actually going to need a huge amount more the main thing is to get in the protein you know zero to two hours like I said after your workout but then try to make sure that you just eat protein regularly throughout the day to meet your protein target as well trying to eat a horrendous amount is just often not not necessary if people are interested in the kind of amount of grams for kind of strength and endurance based athletes the kind of recommendation is anything from 1.2 to 2 grams per kilogram of body weight so for example if you were 50 if 50 kilos if i just use that as a as an easy round number you whatever 1.2 times 50 is um and then you know up to 100 grams that would help to kind of give you a range. So that would be 60 to 100 grams. And again, that's what you should try and aim for during the full day. And then it's just trying to make sure that you spread that evenly throughout the day. And it doesn't mean that you need to eat 100 grams 100% or you're not going to get the benefits from from like your exercise or you're not going to see any training adaptations. You will. It's just thinking that is a really good range to try and fit into. Overconsuming protein is still overconsuming calories. We talk about you can't have your cake and eat it too so it's kind of like you need to pick what you're going for you either are looking to lose weight first or you're looking to put on muscle and in order to put on muscle we need to eat in a calorie surplus it can happen but sometimes it's better to focus on one aspect rather than everything at the same time and again if if weight loss is someone's goal the getting into the calorie deficit is what's going to allow some weight loss to happen and again it can be sometimes difficult to gain a lot of muscle if you're in a calorie deficit but that's when it's kind of important to make sure that 
the right way to put it is that muscle needs energy to grow so usually people if they're wanting to try and put on a little bit of muscle usually need to try and give their body that little bit of extra energy but if people are wanting to lose weight and they're needing to go into this calorie deficit the main thing is to try and get in the, you know the amount of protein for their recommendations and then help to try and get their carbohydrates you know their healthy fats in and around that to try and fit in with it that will hopefully try and help maintain their muscle mass especially if it's given, getting given a stimulus by doing strength training and things like that that will hopefully help to, to either maintain it or allow for a little bit of muscle building during the time that they're in a and a calorie deficit as well. For years we've demonised carbs and continue to do so, especially if I try to increase a client's carbohydrate content. They're terrified that they're going to put on weight. It's your body's first main source for energy and it is vital for your body to have this. Wish I could find the person that started demonising carbs however many years ago it was. One thing I often ask people that maybe start reducing the amount of carbohydrates in their diet is tell me in the first couple of days how you felt. And most of the time they say that they experience feeling really tired, they experience sore heads. And often that, well, one, carbohydrates, when they're broken down into glucose is the first form of energy that your brain uses. So one, I'm not really surprised that you're maybe feeling a little bit foggy, but also it's your first form of energy that your body wants to use. And I just think if you're depriving it on that, you're trying to get your body working even harder to try and get the energy to, for you to function through your day-to-day life. And it's not the natural way for it to, to happen. Like your, your body needs carbohydrates and not just for energy. That's its main job role in the body. But it also, depending on where you get your carbohydrates from, can give you lots of fibre, you know, which is really good for your gut health, making sure that you go to the toilet regularly, different things like that. Like there's so many other important reasons for carbohydrates even actually helps you to get a lot of carbohydrate foods tend to actually give you a lot of really useful vitamins which help you absorb the energy from your food as well and I just it it really makes me really sad when people say that they're cutting them out because it's it's really often not necessary at all and that's where I probably get really frustrated because again that that person is giving out misinformation that they are not real as much as it might be with good intentions they're not they're not giving out the correct information in order to support people's health which is is the bit that's really frustrating and I think there needs to be more of a I don't know how it will ever work but there needs to be more of a regulation regarding how or who's allowed to share nutrition information online, I think. (laughs) Social media is so misinforming. It really is the highlight reel of somebody's life. If they want to show you how well they've ate that day, of course they're going to put up the best parts of it. They're not going to show you that they've had a Mars bar, they've had a packet of crisps, they've maybe had a nice big cake with that coffee that they had in the afternoon. And that is what applies so much pressure to everybody else in the world because they expect that they need to eat like this. There's a lot of influencers and things that you're only ever going to see. The highlight reel on Instagram. One, you need to think about who's doing their cooking for them. Two, it's also probably going to be are the portion sizes that they're showing you actually what they're actually eating, which half the time it's not. I remember actually reading, it was ages ago, not probably not long before I started my Instagram, and I remember reading a post that a girl, to be fair, was fairly open and honest that she used to share a lot of what I eat in a day, which are things that I, I can't stand because I just think everyone is so different. But anyway, she was really good and was honest and used to, and admitted to the fact that when she previously used to share what she ate, it actually 
was not a true reflection of what she ate. She would take stuff off the plate to make the plate look a wee bit nicer. She would, just different things like that, just to make it Instagramable. This is the false information that's going out there and it's trying to highlight to people that how one person eats, regardless of how they look or whatever else it might be. Nutrition is so individualised and everyone is an individual that you're going to need to eat differently from the person sitting next to you um, or the person that you see on Instagram and it's very difficult. <laughs> I think people always assume that in order to lose weight you must be miserable. People are not put on this earth to for your sole reason to either be looking good or to constantly be thinking about what your weight is. Often what I say to people is your weight on the scales is just your relationship with gravity. It could be the difference of how much fluid you've drank, whether you've actually been to the toilet and had a poo that day. It could be a whole bunch of different things. And I think people also need to remember as well, if you're physically active, muscle weighs more than fat as well. Actually, one of the things that I talk about in my book is actually getting rid of the scales might be one of the best things that you could do and trying to don't get me wrong if weight loss is your your goal absolutely people are totally entitled to want to lose weight and that's fine but I think there are other ways that you can measure it rather than actually or measure progress rather than actually looking at the number on the scales because it changes all the time and is actually just quite a quite a restrictive and quite a it can just have you overly focused on a number which is not going to have a really true reflection on one how well you're feeling the progress that you're maybe making in the gym with regards to your fitness you know just maybe how you feel if you've had a, a really great week on how well you're eating think about that rather than actually the number on the scales and if that's actually what you can maintain for life then you're on the right track rather than worrying about about the scales. There's so much more to life than always being in a diet. You should be able to make changes that are sustainable throughout your whole entire life. I think if we are able through nutrition and fitness are able to teach or show people that there's so much more that you can through trying to eat well and trying to move in a way that you enjoy you'll never have to worrying about your weight should hopefully just be or what I should say is that you should reap, hopefully reap the benefits from that that any weight loss will hopefully come with time because you're making sustainable changes rather than going off cyclical diets where you're on a diet for a, a period of time you come off then you're back to eating and the old habits and what you were before and then back on another diet again it's trying to think about sustainable ways to live that you enjoy and like you said even about mentioned about having a donut like I, I think I get asked all the time or commented on quite often about oh you're a dietitian you're not eating that or you're a PT you're not eating like and I'm like are you joking it's just boggles my brain like I am got such a sweet tooth and there's not a day that goes by that I don't have some sort of food like that where it's cake biscuits I, you know because I enjoy it like food is there to be enjoyed and don't get me wrong the large majority of time I will make and eat food that I would consider as good and healthy for me it also doesn't mean that it's boring like th there's so many ways to cook and eat healthy without you thinking that it just has to be a salad to eat all the time that is just it's so not the case but yeah food's there to be enjoyed like we've just got to make sure that the majority of the time we're doing the, the best that we can to try and eat as healthy and then enjoying these things and indulgent moments and stuff with foods that we enjoy every now and then. I've always tried to teach my clients that it's not the best approach to go cold turkey completely on everything and it shouldn't have to be that way and if you have the all or nothing mindset 
that needs to start changing. And it is sad because I think after so many times that you do that, it becomes really demotivating and then a lot of people give up, which it, it really doesn't need to be that way. And I think if there's ways of trying to educate people to understand the basics of nutrition first, which I think, and I even say this, I think in my book, that it's not a way to downplay the what I went to do at uni, obviously to become a dietitian, but the basics of nutrition do not need to be difficult. And I think if people were able to be given that knowledge, whether it's obviously starting from a young age, like in school, and obviously learning, you know, as you grow older and things like that as well, about different foods from the different food groups and what portion sizes and things are, then I think that's a really good way to to start. And once you've got that, it can help you really identify that, you know, that next diet trend that's coming out is just a load of rubbish. You've got the, the tools and, you know, that you can't, that you've, you've got the tools, sorry, in order to make sure that you, you can eat well for life without getting caught up in another fad diet. Do you always need to be 100% perfect in order to get results? I think, I guess, I suppose when you're saying results, I guess for, I'm, I'm assuming you're maybe meaning weight loss, you know, or, or something like that, that I guess you have to think about, fair enough, yes, if you're wanting to actually try and lose a wee bit of weight, yeah, you maybe want to focus on, you know, how much are you eating really, um, or sorry, eating foods that are really high in fat and sugar, different things like that, which will be, if you're taking up quite a large part of your dietary intake, you maybe want to think about reducing them down, but it doesn't mean that you have to cut them, you have to cut them out. And I think, again, that's where if the more restrictive you are, the more difficult it will be to sustain. And is that really the way that you want to eat forever? Is it not better trying to work on getting that balance where, like I said, for the majority of time, you do your best to try and eat as well as you can and then trying to enjoy the you know the other foods like yeah, the typical examples you know every every now and then or you enjoy something like that maybe have, you know a small amount every day that's that's so fine but it's doing your best to try and make sure that the majority of the food that you eat is is good for you and even if it just means that if you if you're at a place where you want to just try and actually have or take one small step is it making sure that you have a really healthy breakfast and you do that for a week and then trying to build on one thing at a time you know if you if you feel that you've got quite a wee bit of improvement to make then that's okay it's just making sure that you don't overhaul everything at the one time because too many changes at the one time isn't good isn't good either and can make it really difficult to stick to one of my many bugbearers as a personal trainer i sound as if i've done this job for decades but one thing that really breaks my heart is when you walk into the gym and you see a personal trainer training somebody that is greatly overweight to me you're taking money for a service that that person does not need at that point in time they will at some point yes but you can help them in a much better way for myself i have a client that i have been working with throughout 2020 so at the start of the year my friend had actually got her a gift certificate for a PT session for a one-to-one and it was to kind of spur her on to bring her into exercise and hopefully bring about a big lifestyle change because she was at this point in her life that her health was really starting to decline to the point that if she didn't change things around she wouldn't be here for much longer. She has never used that £25 gift voucher to redeem her PT. So for the past nine months, I've not taken a single penny from this woman. Why? Because she does not need to come in and work out in the gym right now. Her main focus is to be moving more and to be conscious of her food. So we track food, we track her steps. 
and those are the two things she does every single day for me religiously. She sends them over to me, we have a chat about it, we have a cup of tea over the phone and we talk about the goals in which she has set. At the start of the year she was sitting just over 22 stone, about 23 stone and last month we put in her new goal of 18 stone. That was the first time she has seen that weight in over 15 years and she didn't have to pay a penny to get there. She just had somebody that maybe believed in her and showed her the way and enjoyed a journey without having to give up things she enjoys. Every day she has her Fredo, every day she has that packet of crisps that she enjoys. Please do not take advantage of somebody in a vulnerable position. Yeah, that's good. And I think the key word that you said is consistency as well. Like I think if it's something, if it's changes that you can make that are going to be sustainable and you don't feel it's a complete overhaul of what your usual or your usual habits and things have been, then you're going to be able to stick to them. And I think for anyone to say that they're going to be completely cutting out, for example, the the kind of indulgent foods that we would maybe usually use as an example, um, it's really not realistic. And again, it takes it, I always take it back to foods there to be enjoyed. You know, I've, it makes me really sad when I hear people that are trying to like lose weight and maybe don't go to like a birthday celebration because they're concerned about getting offered to have a bit of cake and they don't want, you know, they're feeling like they have to say no to it and stuff like that. But it's just, again, it's that food is there to be enjoyed. It is a social thing. It is a way of meeting up with friends and yeah it's just that it doesn't need to be that way and I think it's it's getting back to like the basics of nutrition again and just making sure that for like I keep saying for the most part you try and eat as well as you can but you do not have to be perfect and I don't think no one's diet is is ever perfect and I think often as well I guess like as a dietitian as I said before a lot of people think oh your diet must be eaten right all the time whatever right might be and it, it is so not the case like there are definitely days where I have cereal for my dinner, but just because I, I can't be arse cooking, <laughs> you know, and I think it's, we live in a busy life, you know, a kind of lifestyle. And I think it's just thinking for the most part, it's just doing, doing what you can. And it's okay to have days where it just doesn't go to plan. And that's totally normal. Consistency is definitely the, the key. And I think as long as you're able to enjoy the food that you're eating or enjoy the movement that you do with regards to exercise, then it shouldn't feel like a chore. I think a lot of people, like I said before, view healthy eating or exercise as something that they just have to do. It doesn't, as much as it is important for health and to do that, it shouldn't be treated like a chore. There's so many ways that you can enjoy eating healthy. There's so many ways that you can enjoy moving that it should, it shouldn't feel like that. You should be looking forward to doing it for the most part. Um, you just maybe haven't found the right way to move yet and you know that's often what I say to people as well. There's so many social influences around food that impact how we consume it, how we think about it and how we have it in our daily life. Particularly if we use Instagram as an example it's such a it's all images you know so quite often we're bombarded by nice looking people if that's the right way to put it that have got what I'm sure society would view as a great body. We've also got really lovely food pictures on it and different things like that, that I think it often lures people in to think, oh, I must eat like that to look like that. And I think Instagram, I've said before, or often social media in general is just someone's highlight reel. They're never going to show you the filters, the views. They're never going to probably show how much or for example they've maybe got someone that helps them out with food they've maybe got someone like a PT you know that they're getting a lot of extra help and genetics plays a huge part as well and I just think for example I think I mentioned as well about like when people do the what I eat in a day thing 
I just I think again it comes from a good I, the intention is probably good from the person that's doing it but I don't think they really appreciate that that can actually probably have quite a negative impact on people because they'll just say oh you know this is what that person eats in a day if I eat like that I'm going to look like them and everyone is so so different that relying on what someone's putting up for one day is just not a reflection of what they'll eat every day and it's not it's not necessarily going to be appropriate for you because every single person is different it's it's really difficult I think social media hopefully will have some sort of way to govern it a little bit better with who who shares nutrition advice but I think we those who have the, the correct qualifications just need to try and shout a little bit louder but it's it's not easy we're up we're up against a lot of people <laughs> and I think as well there's so many people as well that are out there to promote products which is probably something that I should mention as well like a lot of influencers because of perhaps the way they look or the number of followers they have are asked by companies to promote their products and so many of the influencers I'm sure will admit that they have never touched those products at all they are just in it to get paid for it and that's why one step that Instagram or social well general social media platforms made a move a couple of years ago was to make sure that influencers maybe put the hashtag ad or have written paid partnership with so that you know that there is a monetary relationship going on there whether everyone's honest about it I don't know but I think that's something to be really mindful of as well particularly with regards to supplements or dietary products um, that quite often they they are not often used by the influencer promoting them. I have my own bugbears as a PT and Kerry for sure will have her biggest bugbears as a dietitian too. People thinking that the that dietitians are the diet police. <laughs> I think I would love to get people to realise that I am like as a dietitian won't judge you in the way that you eat. We as dietitians will eat I'm sure, well, I would I would like to think that the majority of dietitians and nutritionists got into their profession because of their love for food. And I certainly know from my point of view that I want people to feel or get the same enjoyment out of food than, you know, is what I do. So I think that probably the biggest bugbear is the amount of nutrition noise out there that's making people think that they need to be eating perfect all the time, which is just, is just not the case. And it's just making nutrition advice really or it's making the right nutrition advice really difficult to get to people because there's so many people offering advice that shouldn't be. Fat-free, sugar-free, is it really all just a shitstorm of chemicals? Yeah, I think it all depends on your goals. I think if there, if there is a, a goal for weight loss, then I would say using the, the diet or low-calorie zero products, whatever it might be, are a way to go and definitely from an example in an old job that I used to be in working in community I used to work doing a little bit of weight loss or weight management advice and just one simple change that someone had to make was actually changing going from the kind of if we use the the full sugar coke or iron brew or whatever it was just changing it to diet or maybe starting to say that they'll have a couple of diet drinks during the day and then the rest of their their fluid intake if they wanted to you know make up with the ordinary stuff and actually gradually over time they were able to see really big changes in their weight so I think if that is where weight loss is their goal and whatever food we might be talking about here is actually providing a significant amount of calories to their daily intake I would definitely say switching over to the the 
diet or low calorie options would be a way forward. But I think for the most part, if it's if weight loss isn't your goal, then you just have to think they're like everything in moderation, you know. So I think I think a lot of people would probably be like, oh my god, if I drank a full diet, a full fat diet coke or a full sugar diet coke, I don't know why it gets called full fat. But yeah, I think if people would probably be like, oh my God, but yeah, if you enjoy it, like everything in moderation, as long as it's not something that you would maybe drink all the time. And um, again, I'm just using that as an example. One, because it's really, really high in sugar. You're probably not going to get much of a nutritional benefit, you know, from it because it's just going to give you these peaks in energy that, you know, your blood sugar will go up really like quite quick. You'll get this burst of energy um, and then it will dip really quick because your body absorbs it so quick. So I think it's just thinking in general, as long as it's just everything in moderation, as much as that's maybe not the most sexiest and nice term to use, it's, it really does come back to that. No, no really mad restrictions are needed. For years, we had the low-fat hype that affected what butter we bought, what cheese we bought, what milk we got. I guess it depends on what it is, but I, th- I think like yogurts are actually one of the really good examples. I think when low fat products became a thing or quite a hype probably maybe like 10 15 years ago yogurts were actually the ones that they reduced the fat content but then bumped up the sugar content in it to try and maintain the flavor so the calorie content might have not actually been a huge amount of difference you know between the two but people were just like oh it's low fat so it must it must be better and don't get me wrong in general we should be having or being mindful about the amount of fats that we take in over the day because out of the macronutrients, they're the, the most calorie dense ones. So it means that per gram of fat compared to per gram of carbohydrate, you're going to get more calories per gram of a source of fat. Also, without kind of going into too much detail just now, there are different types of fats that are really either quite good for our health or could actually be a bit um, more unhealthy for us, that we have to be mindful of that as well. But I think it's just thinking about if in general we are taking things out from foods is it actually for example if we take fat you mentioned about fat getting taken out of yogurts fat actually brings flavor as well and it might be again depending on your goal are you actually needing to worry about weight loss if you if you don't then maybe actually you don't need to worry so much about the calories it's maybe thinking more about the types of fats that you're you know that you're going for and it's just thinking about if they are removing something what are they replacing it with in order to to keep the flavor that's probably one of the kind of good examples of it does our body really crave foods like chocolate sweets i think what you need to think about if you're craving chocolate is that you maybe have to have a little reflection on what's the rest of your day's intake been like have you ate enough in order to fuel your day or is it that you're just most of the time people i think crave chocolate because they're maybe thinking i need a little burst of energy and usually going for kind of sweeter foods your body kind of and you know intrinsically knows that it's going to get a little burst of energy from taking sweet foods because again as I mentioned earlier on carbohydrates are your first form of energy that your body wants to use so that's why when for example if we've not had something to eat for a kind of long period of time we've skipped a meal by accident or whatever it might be we usually tend to be reaching for the kind of higher sugary snacks because we know that it's going to give us that quick burst of energy so I think it's thinking about really is your body needing it because you have not been fueling yourself appropriately elsewhere in the day sometimes though I think people maybe crave it crave something sweet perhaps after a main meal because they're just maybe wanting to cleanse their palate and I part of me kind of thinks I don't think that's really a problem but then I think you need to think if it's something that you're doing 
really routinely? Do you need to be thinking about healthier, sweeter options in order to, you know, get something sweet in? So, for example, I'm someone who definitely has a sweet tooth. And after I've had my main meal, I enjoy having often things like fruit or yogurt, you know, something like that, where I'm getting a bit more nutrition from it and it's going to help keep me fuller for a wee bit longer. But I'm also getting that kind of sweetness and things from from kind of healthier options. If that's not hitting the spot and your body is just wanting chocolate, then go for it. Like, I don't think there should be, be any need to say no. I think it's just thinking again, how often do you do it? What's the portion sizes that you eat it in? But it's thinking about maybe reflecting on the rest of your, your day or your meal first. Getting the basics right, if you're able to understand, for example, even where your calories from or the stuff about the five main food groups, you know, in the diet and a bit about portion sizes, if you're able to understand and appreciate them and know how to apply them to the meals that you're making, you know, day to day, then you're going to have such a good ground in there in order to know how to make up a healthy balanced meal rather than thinking, for example, the typical one of I need to cut out carbohydrates to lose weight or, you know, it's just if, if, if we're able to start younger, you know, with, you know, with giving advice out, I think we'll end up getting people that are much healthier as adults as well if they've just got that kind of bit more understanding of it um, but we've just got to wade through all this other nutrition nonsense that's out there because the thing is the reason that diets and stuff make their um, make their break into the world is because usually there's a monetary value behind them so things like the Atkins diet things like the keto diet there's products there's books you know that's that's why they're usually out there because people are able to try and make some money from them and it really doesn't doesn't need to be like that it's knowing your, the different food groups that are out there like I said some portion sizes and then it's trying to get practice and knowing how to just apply these you know getting creative in the kitchen and things like that um yeah it's, it's hard when there's a lot of other misinformation out there as well and people just don't know what to believe so I started kind of using social media then, but then it also became so clear to me so quickly how much crap there was that it's just, I don't know, even as a dietitian, I think it can sometimes be over, overwhelming. And I don't know if it's the right words, but it's just more frustrating because I feel, I feel really sad and guilty sometimes that that information is going out there. I, I, it frustrates me so much and there's people out there that are just playing havoc with people's health and it's not, it's not right. Your life is to be enjoyed, therefore you should enjoy every part of this journey. If you're looking to get fitter, get healthier, get stronger, lose weight, you should enjoy every aspect of that. You shouldn't be miserable. You shouldn't be miserable for decades of your life, for two thirds of your life. You should enjoy going to family events. You should enjoy your child's first birthday to have a slice of their birthday cake. There is so much more to life than just losing weight and just being miserable and eating salad all the time nutrition does not need to be overcomplicated. It was a total pleasure to be able to have Kerry on our podcast. Her book is brilliant. I bought it just before lockdown started to sit out in the back garden and read it. I think sometimes as well as a personal trainer, I can get caught up with the nutrition noise that goes on throughout social media and in our industry as well. You begin to doubt yourself and what you put forward towards your clients too and you almost kind of get sucked into that loophole yourself. Kerry's book is evidence-based information. It's a super easy to understand book as well, especially if you're 
just starting out with nutrition, if you just want to learn a wee bit more, the book is a total credit to her efforts and everything that she's doing in terms of dietetics for our community. Please go give her a follow on both Instagram and Facebook. She is The Dietitian Kitchen. Go hit up her book on Amazon. It's like dirt cheap, honestly, it's a steal. There is loads of amazing recipes. There's some great workouts in the back of it as well, especially if you're new to fitness. And super simple, there's no mad burpees or stupid movements that you don't actually need to do. It's really back to basics and that is what's so beautiful about this book. Kerry, thank you so much. It was a total pleasure to have you on our podcast talking about everything nutrition. I hope today, after listening to this podcast, that Kerry has managed to clear up some of the nutrition noise that might cloud over and make some nutrition-based decisions a wee bit more harder. Guys, have a fabulous day. I'll see you in the next one. I'm Lucy, the founder of Coach Lucy, and this has been A Couple.